Hello, me again. Me, Muttley, from Muttley and the Marauders. Same format as usual, me doing a bit of poetry, talking and boring you numb with my feeble communication skills. So, seamlessly, without further ado, I'll start with this week's talk, um, the aptly entitled Poem Called Talk. Uh, this was written when I was on it, 16, 17, uh, I remember in the park in the town where I grew up. Um, just basically about talking about the difficulty of communication. So, it's called talk. So many things to do, all to be seen through. So many things to say, all to be crammed into a day. Little things to remind, looking out to find. Giving little words of guidance. Do you want to dance? Lovers whisper sweet nothings, words disguised by coughing. The quick seducer uses his charm, steals the heart of love and smarm. Life histories are told, cheap lives are sold. Young boys try but stumble, nubile girls try but fumble. Old men end by grumbling, old women end by mumbling. It's no good a one-way conversation. What is needed is oral stimulation. Some words are spoken, but gestures are token. Do you talk with feeling? Do you talk with meaning? Or is it talk for talk's sake? Is your talk a fake? Is it your communication or vocal castration? Is it your communication or is it oral ammunition? So, you've got to be clear in what you say. Communication is vital. We all like to be precise. We all like to be accurate. Precision and accuracy. If something is being built, there are certain givens, expectations. I like it when all the measurements are correct. If I'm getting in a car or a plane, I would expect that there are certain standards that the construction conforms to. I want to be safe. I want it to be safe. I don't want the wing to fall off an aeroplane or the engine to drop off my car. Now, that's if I'm buying something or if I'm getting on, uh, whether it be a plane, a train, getting in a car. If I do some DIY around the house or garden, I know I might be a touch slapdash and haphazard. There may be a touch of Bodget and Scarpa. That shelf that I've put up doesn't have to be exactly straight, but that's my choice. I could spend another hour getting it just right, but I'm happy with it being near enough. But if my life depended on it, like I say, in a car or a plane, I would expect it to be exact. Now, in my line of work, I'm, I'm sure all you scientists, if any are listening, if you're out there, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. But there's a thing called measurement uncertainty. All measurements are subject to uncertainty. And a measurement result is complete only when it's accompanied by a statement of the associated uncertainty, such as on a standard deviation. If I measure something 10 times, then I will get a variation each time. And it only might be by a fraction of decimal places, but there will always be differences. Now, if I was doing it in my haphazard as an approach, I could be out by 
inches or pounds or whatever I was measuring. But this is important because everything that we measure is a degree of error, a margin of uncertainty. There's no absolutes. If I ever got done for speeding, and I'm going to take that to court, because I will want to know what the degree of error is for that speed camera that caught me. I will want to know what the calibration data is with dates performed. I want to see all the standards that it's met. I want full details of that variability. So, as I say, everything in life has got a degree of uncertainty. There's always going to be variation. This poem's called uh, Measurement of Uncertainty. Are you sure you're doing it right? Are you sure you're doing the right thing? When certainty is a mystery, are you sure? Can you be sure? Are you sure of your certainty? What is your reality? What is real? What are your doubts? Is that something too hard to think about? When everyone is telling you that you're wrong, you keep on along that lonely road. And I've been there. And I know it's hard. You've got to believe in something, something inside of you, in your heart. You know it to be true, concept or model, fool or folly, a science behind reason, without fear of treason. Science, ingenuity, a clearer vision beyond horizons, conventions, customs, beyond beliefs, extremes, boundaries, paradox, contradictions. Numbers I can trust. I have my faith in them. Numbers don't have lust. It's people. It's people who get in the way. It's people who let you down. People and feelings. Do you ever know someone? Do you ever really know someone to be certain that you can put their trust in them? Give me a pure, something that's pure, something like a formula or algebra, a universal truth, no grey, just black or white, possible, probable, possibility, probability. Oh, the uncertainty. You've got to believe. Believe and take the measurements. If you know it to be true, the measurement of certainty. So, I think it's clear that we all like certainty. We all like definitives. We all like absolutes. But we always have in life, we always have dilemmas. Like when you have one of those weekends coming up when you're not sure how you'll ever get things done. There's lots of competing things to do and events to fit in. The other weekend, I was going to have what I thought I was going to have one of those dilemmas where I probably wouldn't fit everything in. I was worried that I would have to sacrifice something and make compromises. It was going to be a Saturday evening. I was meant to be seeing a Clash tribute band. Spurs were playing Liverpool and I had to get the dogs walked. And there's also expectation that we'd be going out for a nice meal. Something was going to have to give. I was going to have to compromise. I don't like compromises. Now, as luck would have it, Tracy caught COVID. So the gig and meal were out of the equation. I'd walked the dogs and was settling down to watch Spurs. I was feeling quite miserable about uh, the expectations of winning because we hadn't been Liverpool for ages. 
and also me being a hypochondriac I was fully expecting to catch Covid so on the settee feeling a bit bit sad bit apprehensive now one of the things of, about football and the beauty of football is that occasionally the unexpected happens and it was a totally bonkers match Spurs won now that was aided by the fact that Liverpool had two players sent off and then scored no goal in the last seconds of the game. My miserability, my miserableness disappeared instantly. I was invincible. I was never going to catch Covid. Up the Spurs. But for balance, there might have been a touch of controversy with that result. Because it, in addition to two players being sent off and scoring a known goal, Liverpool had a goal that was ruled out for offside. Now, football is, has the technology to check where players are and if the lines are drawn to see if a player is on or offside. Called VAR, Video Assistant Referees. So, the lines were drawn and technology was applied and it's clearly onside. If it was a goal, great. Technology works. Measurements made, all precise, no measurement of uncertainty. It was a good, clear, clean process. Accuracy was ensured. However, due to a communication error, not an error, a cock-up, a right royal fuck-up, because those who were doing their, doing their line drawings on the video, they didn't pay attention. Instead of overruling the initial decision, merely said, check complete. The game restarted. Nothing could be done about it. About it. They couldn't stop the match and award the goal. Oh dear. Hey, I was chuffed. And of course, I'm biased. And liver supporters are probably still crying. But it just goes to show how important communication is. You can have all the technology you like, but unless you've got that basic communication that everybody knows what's going on, that the information that you've got has been clearly relayed to the person it's meant to be getting to. Unless you've got those things in place and it's clear, concise communication, everybody's paying attention, there shouldn't be any problem. Now, uh, in 1967, there was a film called Cool Hand Luke um, it's an American prison drama starring Paul Newman and uh, George Kennedy, who won an Oscar uh, for his performance. Paul Newman starred in the title role as Luke, who was a prisoner who refused to submit to a system. In the film, um, there's a quotation which was, I, know, I think it's something like number 11 in the American Film Institute's list of 100 most memorable moon movie lines. And what it's called is, it's been generally said, is failure to communicate. And it goes something like this. What we've got here is a failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. So you get what you had when we were last week, which is the way he wants it. Well, he gets it. And I don't like it any more than you men. Okay, my American accent and acting skills are pretty atrocious. Atrocious. But it was basically failure to communicate you see we spend so much time talking but so time so little time communicating 
We always seem to continue to do that. Where I work in the health service, there's a lot of time, energy and effort into just talking about having meetings, about doing things that were discussed five years ago, 10 years ago. And it becomes the same old thing, same things rehashed, reheated. And it's the same, whether it be in the health service, I'm sure it probably happens in industry, but in governments and politics, there's a lot of time um, just spent, wasted, um, just talking for talk's sake. So this uh, poem's called Costly Words. I don't waste my time locked in a room, too many rooms, too many words, same faces, same places, sit and talk in self-importance, a sham democracy, a bullshit bureaucracy, revisiting, reorganising, restructuring, costly words, rehashing, regurgitating, reheating, costly words. More rooms, more words, same faces, same places, airless, no windows, to see the real world, backwards looking, sideways glancing, a lack of direction, a lack of focus, a lack of purpose. Revisiting, reorganising, restructuring, costly words, rehashing, regurgitating, reheating, costly words. The same old things as a new way forward, a repetitive cycle, get more workers, sack the workers, a repetitive cycle, get more workers, sack more workers, save more money, send more money. Revisiting, reorganising, restructuring, costly words, rehashing, regurgitating, reheating, costly words. Fads and fashions, blue sky thinking, lean dreaming, a pressure cooker, how many times can you say the same thing? How many times can you say the same old thing to finding different ways to just reheat it? Well, fuck you and your wank opinion. They say talk is cheap. Well, it isn't. It's fucking expensive and I've got no more fucks to give. They pontificate, elaborate, debate, procrastinate. Talk is expensive and we all pay the price. As they talk with starvation, pollution, infants are dying, health in crisis, a thin blue line for knife crime. We need action, not words. Revisiting, reorganising, restructuring, costly words. Rehashing, regurgitating, reheating, costly words. No more talk, token words, empty gestures. Talk is expensive. Stop wasting time devising ways to kill people, keep the living living, costly words. So, say so in, in the health service, um, it's probable that more than 75% of patient safety failures involve human factors, a category much wider than simple human error. Unfortunately, even highly skilled, knowledgeable, and hard-working healthcare workers deliver variable performance as a consequence of simply being human. Humans are genetically primed to learn by trial and error, so error is normal. Human performance is variable in both the long and short term. 
In order to gain some insights into human fallibility, we need a suitable vocabulary for language of human factors. And it's not just in the health service or government where everything is, where communication is vital. I remember in the 1970s, an aircraft um, crashed into a block of flats in Holland. I remember a joke going around at school saying that air traffic control had relayed that the plane um, to the plane that there was a flock of bats ahead. The joke being that it was meant to be a block of flats. Okay, it wasn't funny. But on a basic sense, this is an example, albeit okay, an exaggerated example of a failure to communicate. Um, this is also true that a flight attendant was called to a flight deck and told the captain to turn around. So he turned the aeroplane back towards departure at the airport because he perceived the comments to mean that there was a flight was in jeopardy and the aircraft should be turned around and returned to the departure airport. However, all she wanted him to do was turn around, see that the cabin door was open and it needed closing. Okay, so it was no disaster, but it shows how things can be misinterpreted. Okay, the passengers might have been pissed off and the cabin crew and the pilot, you know, those red faces. No one got killed. But the worst disaster of all time occurred at Tenerife's Los Rodeos Airport in the Canaries. Um, two Boeing 747s, uh, Pan Am Flight 1736 and KLM uh, Dutch Royal Airline Flight 4805 collided in fog, killed 583 people and there were only 61 survivors. Unfortunately, the cause of a disaster boiled down to, two poss to, down to possible impatience and very basic error of communication. Um, the airport had been covered in fog and was overcrowded due to traffic being diverted from Grand Canary Airport um, due to the fact that a bomb had exploded there. And this also may have meant that the direction from air traffic control was probably more muddled than usual. The Dutch pilot was eager to leave. Um, the pilot and his crew had almost reached their legal limit uh, on their time, uh, duty time and would have had to stay overnight in Tenerife unless they got going. And that might have contributed to the pilot's fate, uh, fatal mistake. When he received that communication, you were clear from the air traffic control tower. Now, second clearance was always required before he could take off. But instead of waiting for that, he assumed that he'd got clearance. You are clear. He began to accelerate down the runway. In the meantime, the Pan Am flight, which is attempting to find an assigned taxiway in the heavy flog, was directly in the KLM's aircraft, uh, airplane's path. The resulting collision obliterated the Dutch plane and sent it on 100 feet in the air before it came crashing down and exploded in a ball of fire. The Pan Am flight was sliced into pieces and also went up in flames. Now, since then, I don't want to sound alarmist, but the airline industries have learned from these errors and this training um, of all staff, whether it be pilots, flight attendants, air traffic control, 
in the importance of communication. And certainly in the healthcare system in the UK, um, we've taken on some of these, you know, we've had pilots come and talk to groups of staff in the health service. I also had Formula One teams come in and talk about the importance of communication and the importance of working in teams. So what lessons can we learn from a Formula One pit stop? Firstly, um, each member of a team has an absolutely clear idea of their function and what their impact of it is. It's no one job that better than another. Excellence is the only objective when it comes to the execution of a job. There are no individuals, only team players. Secondly, there's communication. Everyone listens to each other as a team has to work in perfect harmony. Thirdly, and this is probably the most important thing, there's trust amongst the team members. Each person knows what their job is and does the job properly. For example, the front jackman has to stand at the front of the incoming car, even when it's approaching pit lane, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. He has to, has to have that trust in the skills of a driver to stop right in front of him. Fourthly, everyone needs to be paying attention. And that's one of the things I find it really pisses me off that when people don't pay attention, fair enough, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to someone, they might fall asleep. And that's probably, as you probably do now, probably because I'm being boring. Yep, I can live with that. But if you're watching a film, do you really need to be checking your phone every five minutes? Is Facebook really that interesting? Stop looking at your fucking phone. It drives me mad. This poem's called Attention Span. A attention span. Are you listening closely? Are you listening carefully? Have I got your full and undivided attention? What is your attention span? I can feel attention. The devil is in the detail. A point, a turn of tail. Distraction. High definition defined as precise. How nice. Add spice. Have you seen the emperor's new clothes? Have you seen the emperor's new clothes? The trick to follow. Not meant to be followed. Along the straight and narrow. A lonely road to furrow. A look to the left. A glance to the right. It's all designed to make it easy and for magic that's on appeal and on offer. Were you paying attention? Do I have your attention? Whoops, too late. Can't concentrate. What's your attention span? Follow my every word. Let it resonate, permeate, stimulate, resound in your mind. Art, what do you see? Music, what do you hear? Decipher, dance, sing along, empathy, feel emotion, engrossed in a film. So it's great work of art, what do you see? Marvel at the skill, go to a gig, let the music flood through your senses. Let the football support, shout, enjoy, moan, grumble, feel the emotion. But no, all I see is a mass of mobile phones, heads tilted upwards, 
gurning at the camera, at the technology. Send an Instagram, send a video, snap a photo, check your Facebook, send a tweet. And all I feel is this tension, a tension that spans the mind. You need to check to keep up to date, frightened you miss out. You need proof that you exist, that you are alive, that you've got a life. As proof your existence is worthwhile. I can feel a tension, a tension that's building, building inside, a gap that is growing, a gap that is widening, this tension that is building, this hate that I'm feeling, this bridge that we're burning. I can feel a tension, I can feel a tension. What's your attention span? What's your attention span? So that's probably about it for this week, human beings. We are the ones on this planet who can communicate clearly with each other. We're the only ones. We can talk, we can listen, we can all get along. Let's stop making everything so difficult. Spend time with each other, talking, listening, communicating. We've got the skills, we've got the abilities, we've got the technology. Let's communicate more, talk and listen. Perhaps if we did this, we'd understand each other better. Misunderstandings, wars, fighting, you never know, it might all stop. Maybe, maybe not. Let's try. Let's give it a go. This final uh, poem's called Call Me. It's about keeping in touch and communicating. Call me. Let's keep in touch, keep connected, accessible anytime, any place, anywhere. Time zone, direct dialed. The future's bright, it's good to talk. The world is cheaper, one-to-one, get connected, communications to a world, beamed out, beamed around, through and out the atmosphere. We have a technology to connect, satellites used in outer space to free the space, transmit sounds, pictures, thoughts, emotions from a most inhospitable, inaccessible terrain and jungle to the front page, front room, average home. We can touch the famine, we can feel the disease, we can smell the poverty. As a far-off majestic city shrink, ancient towns reduced to form, a replica of our civilised form. Here is a global village, the desecration of culture, the rape of heritage, the corruption of tradition. Yeah, we can all drink Coca-Cola, we can all eat a Big Mac, we can all watch Disney time. But what price? We are well connected. Call me. Let's keep in touch, keep connected, accessible anytime, any place, anywhere. Time zone direct dialed. The future is bright. It's good to talk. The world is cheaper. One to one. Get connected. The future's bright. The future's bright. The future's bright. So why in this darkness, when we've come this far, when the line's not busy, when it's still and cold, can hear so clearly. Why is it silent? Why don't we talk? Caller, the line is busy, will you wait? Putting you on hold, putting you on hold, engage and disengage. The line goes dead, communication lost. Oh, Wish you'd stop being so good to me, Kevin. Don't you ever talk that way to me. Never!
Stop wasting time. 